I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch, didn't make it, and had to go to heaven. (laughs) Whenever I hear a Christmas song, I want to get up and sing. Wherever there's love, I sing along and find some bells to ring. Wherever there's angels up above, wherever there's Christmas trees, there's gonna be peace and hope and love and wonderful memories. There'll be laughter, there'll be song, we'll go caroling all night long. Believing in Christmas makes it magic, can't you see? Hey, Pete. <laughs> hey, how bad is it that my wife and I were just doing the little girl in this, the little oh, girl's man. voice in this movie over and over again uh, all day today? So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's just get into it. Where we love to watch, we're a movie podcast. Pick a theme. We do movies over the course of that month around that theme. And if we remember, we compare and contrast. We're in our third week, almost our Christmas week, of Cursed Christmas, which is um, part of something we've been doing. We we've, we always do Christmas themes, and that has meant uh, Christmas horror. It's meant Shane Black Christmas. It's meant Christmas classics. Last year, we did the Hallmark Lifetime Christmas movies, and we were about to go back to horror Christmas again for the first time since 2016. And then we remembered there was one extremely important category of Christmas movies that we have not done, which actually has a fucking... Uh, there's there's oil under this here theme, Peter, if we wanted to keep going for years and years with it, which is Cursed Christmas. And how we define that, it's all those Christmas movies that get released that are not – that are in theaters or, like, uh, released by big studios that uh, don't become Christmas classics. And they're not small enough budget to be straight – to fucking Hallmark Channel, that that cable channel you forget's in the 900s when you used to have Comcast. But instead, get released, everyone goes, oh boy, and and moves on. Tons of them, right? Like, ones we're not covering. Deck the Halls, Jack Frost, fucking Four Christmases. Go on and I'll be home for Christmas. We had a list to pare down for this month as we've been talking about. When we decide to do this month... I had one movie and uh, one mo- movie only that I'm like, we need to fucking do this movie. I actually wanted us to do it back in 2017 when I watched it in the first time because mm-hmm. uh, we had done for our 50th episode that same year. We did Airbud, and we were joking about whether we should continue with the Airbud franchise, which is on its. I think it's it's not really releasing stuff anymore. But by the time it wrapped up, it was it, it was like 13 or 14 entries deep and had moved quite far away from the idea of a of a dog playing sports which they stuck with for a little bit right they had like uh, which in, in this universe a mute dog a mute Can- dog, yeah, canonically a dog, he's mute a dog well it people who believe in the spirit of christmas can hear the dogs so clearly while that kid really liked basketball and this was not remarked upon at any point in the film that kid did not believe in the spirit of Christmas, based on the canon established in this movie, which is the 10th entry in, uh, they stopped calling it the Airbud series, they called it the Buddies franchise, which is called The Search for Santa Paws. Now, it was on Netflix back in 2017, 
My daughter was three. And I thought it would be funny to watch. The, the only Air Bud movie to date that I had watched was Air Bud. This is, I, I've only seen two. I've never seen Golden Receiver when the, he was still a dog that played sports. <laughs> Sorry, uh, it still makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, he's a Golden Receiver. Um, <laughs> he receives the ball. Um, <laughs> not a retriever. He's a Golden Receiver. He's a Golden Receiver. That, I mean, that was like, do you think when they came up with Golden Receiver, they're like, this should have been the first fucking movie? <laughs> Although, I don't know how it works, because with basketball, the idea is that he tips it in with his nose, and, and again, very clearly established canon in the first movie, Peter, there's nothing in the rule book that says a dog can't play basketball. Now, all he can do is, like, be part of an alley-oop, or part of a layup. He, he yeah, like, and I can't guess- complete any, he can't complete a layup or an alley-oop, and I, I, I told on the episode... My theory, the only sport that a dog could excel at above a human is maybe soccer. Maybe. Did they I think they did do a soccer one. I think for I think they, they But it was like straight... the third or fourth one. Like the yeah. one that, that that makes the most sense for a dog to play. They they gave the dog the dog played baseball. Let's be <laughs> yeah, he did he was yeah, he's the MVP. Let's be a hundred percent clear. Like the reason why he was good at basketball is that A no one wanted the ASPCA after you for guarding the, the dog too little too hard. Sarah McLaughlin just sits at all the games like, I'm going to start fucking singing. <laughs> if anyone fucking gets a foul on the dog, <laughs> you get a technical foul on the dog, straight to jail. You cannot smack a dog in the face, even if he's about to get a layup on you. That's a, I, I think that's good. I think I agree with that rule, just to be clear. <laughs> well, okay. There's no rule in the rule book, obviously, that a dog can't play basketball. But once you've codified that dogs can play in specific specific times, maybe, maybe you clarify one dog per team. Um, yeah, I think that would be a good... You know, right after you knock out the dogs can play basketball rule, <laughs> you put your rule in, um, the stuffed pup rule. <laughs> Here's the thing about that, though. You can only have one dog on each team that can play basketball unless your next change to the rule book is uh, dribbling is optional. <laughs> because, you, like you said, he ha- he's only... He's only getting alley-oops and passes to him. Uh, he does not dribble in that movie that I'm aware of. <laughs> Dribble, uh, dribbling's not the easiest thing for humans to learn at first, either. Maybe I just wasn't that good at it. But it's still still a concept that you have to get used to. And, and dogs, as we know, at most can do two dribbles. Everything else is traveling. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, also, like... It's not fun for the dog to be on defense. Like, obviously, a dog could be a pretty good defensive lineman if all he has to do is maul an eight-year-old. Yeah, if if he can maul, if he can growl, maybe, like, the tail tickles you a little bit if it's, like, whipping at uh, at your hands while you're trying to palm the ball. A Um, dog could set a pick for sure. Do you know how many times I've tripped over my fucking dog? (laughs) Quite a guy. I know they're very... They really don't get, like where you're going based on your <laughs> movements. Uh, we have small dogs in my house. So, uh, yeah, it's a very... You you basically, like, injure yourself to not accidentally trip. You, like, take a nice header on the 
on the floor because the fucking dog's like, I'm a- oh, it looks like based on your movement, you're going to disappear from existence. So I'm going to go straight towards where your leg's going. <laughs> Um, so I like though I like though that the Air Bud universe, back when it was still the Air Bud universe before it became the Buddies universe, implied that sports kept changing their rule books one at a time so that the dog couldn't fucking play. Because you have to assume, and again, this is all theorizing because we have not seen them. You have to assume that the reason he had to become a golden receiver, play soccer and baseball, is that basketball changed their rules to say no more dogs and then there was something in the rule book that said that dogs can't play basketball and then he just had to key kind of like the bo jackson or the Dion sanders of the sports world um but eventually all the sports caught up with them and then they're just like i don't know they go to space there's to meet santa claus why why come up with a new franchise let's just for no reason just keep doing, keep doing uh, Air Buddy movies without Air Bud, who has died, uh, and without even a simile of Air Bud, and uh, just start doing other uh, other movies with dogs. We we'll call them buddies. There's Air Buddies, and they talk now. Um, they talk. They I talk now. I I do, I, I, do, I need to clarify this really. We quickly. we gotta talk. Let's just talk about the talking because let's talk talking. Let let, let me clarify this. The one thing that I love about my dog is that my dog seems to have some level of human sweetness and compassion. And he's staring at me right now with these big brown eyes. He's being very nice and taking treats while we're recording. He's being great. And the thing I love most about dogs is that they're not human beings. <laughs> that's the that's the, the, the key element in a dog is that they're not a person. Now a dog, now a dog being able to talk makes them uh not just an affront to God. God 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 did not uh allow uh dogs to speak for a reason. Um he I'm sure Jealousy. there was a shorter tower of Babel incident where dogs were not allowed to speak and were only allowed to bark after that. Haven't read the Bible that closely. Um but the, the Do you thing- think the issue is that he changed all their barks so they can't understand each other? <laughs> All dogs bark like they're like, I can make this noise, but no one can understand me. Ruff, ruff. <laughs> well, some dogs seem to be doing an imitation of cartoon dogs because they mm-hmm. do sound like there are dogs that are like, their bark is like, bark, bark. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is that the you make the dogs less likable when they're little people as opposed to dogs, which is great. Well, but you know what? The movies and TV have a long history of kind of talking dogs. And when they're usually... Mr. Ed, su- talking horse. Yeah. Oh, torture a horse, of course. Oh, peanut butter torture, of course, of course. Did you know isn't Mr. Ed was deeply allergic to peanut butter? They put Deep. down like 30 Mr. Eds. <laughs> it, was, it was before. <laughs> it was before people were concerned about that. Um <laughs> I made all of that. <laughs> all of all all of these dogs were also allergic to peanut butter. Um, but let's. <laughs> they were also allergic to the dog named Peanut Butter on set. Successful talking dogs usually aren't so fucking laser focused on making sure their lips move as the dogs are talking. Let's think of like what's what's a classic talking dog, right? You got in- the Incredible Journey. You got Homeward Bound, right? Like. 
they talk because I guess, you know, you don't want to just see a dog go on an adventure with his dog friend and his cat buddy. But no, we got to hear him talk. But like, we're not going to make their mouths move. You're hearing their thoughts. It's it's very Garfield-esque, right? Like you as an audience member hearing your thoughts sometimes in movies, magical people can hear thoughts. Not a big deal. Dogs actually don't need to talk. This movie is very, and I imagine the other buddies, if I was to infer how this franchise goes, uh, is laser focused on the dog's lips moving through special effects. And I have to assume the only way they're able to make that special effect work, at least in 2010 when this movie, The Search for Santa Paws, which we'll come back to in a sec, uh, came out, is by saying, if you move one inch to the dog's, uh, I'm going to murder you. And the dogs know that. And they don't mean to be harsh or to joke about dog murder, but as these dogs are talking, they are deathly still and seem scared to death. And it uh, really saps the life I think they're trying to get out of these dogs. They never move in a scene. They are dead-eyed staring at the camera in rigor mortis. <laughs> <laughs> And their fucking little CGI um, mouth moves somewhat in sync with the words that are coming out. It is uh, sad. It feels sad. I don't like seeing them talk. Not just because they're saying human things and much like that fucking Microsoft AI uh, Tay or whatever that they threw on Twitter. If a talking dog could just communicate with humans, there's at least a few Nazi dogs in like a week. No one wants that. But also just that they just feel like someone they, they their animal trainers are very not nice to them that's what it feels like and i i'm not saying that to be flippant i'm not saying that as a joke i don't know if they abuse the dogs if they moved while they're trying to get the speaking parts down but it doesn't look great and all the dogs look like that uh yes and it's it, 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 it. okay so <laughs> don't they least... don't they look like they are being trained with a fucking stick on the other hand side of the camera that's like you know what the stick means if you move while we're getting the shot, dog. <laughs> like, <laughs> they all look they all look they, terrified and confused. Yeah, and there's it's a, not a good look. It, there, there's a there's a good reason for that. Also, the thing about puppies is that even people that have like uh, a hatred for pit bulls or a hatred for Rottweilers or whatever um, German Shepherds, like any of the you know dogs that have a bad rep for no reason. As puppies, everybody loves them. Yeah. They're they're not threatening. They're adorable. And the rule with puppies is, generally speaking, after about two or three weeks, they're in this sweet spot where they're, like, the most adorable thing on planet Earth. And then uh, they stay very cute for, you know, a, a period of time. And then eventually they start looking like dogs. Like, they start to get more awkward. Um, they, they, their limbs get longer. Like, they get their proportions are all goofy. They go through their teenage years very quickly because dogs only live, whatever, you know, generally 8 to 16 years, depending on the type of dog. These dogs look, some of these dogs look way too young to be on set in this movie, which we're going to talk about Snow Buddies, yes. Um, we're going to talk about dead dogs here. So if that's a trigger to you. Does the dog die in this podcast? Yes, unfortunately, because we're going to factually report how poorly the Buddy uh, series was managed. <laughs> um, and this reflects on the specific the specific filmmakers here oh, because film same franchise. Just a guy. <laughs> yeah, it, it, this guy, Robert Vince, is a Canadian filmmaker. 
And I'm just going to run through his, uh, <laughs> run through his, his. Hold on, let's do a pause because I feel like we got to get into. Before we get into the fil- the the filmography of Robert Vince, which we will, a little setup to that is so this is the tenth buddies movie. It is uh the tenth in the series, and it is a prequel to the eighth movie in the series called Santa Buddies, which is about a bunch of talking puppies that live in Santa's workshop. And I guess this movie, and I've not seen Santa Buddies, is meant to fill in the hole. As to how Santa got a bunch of dogs hanging around. And spoiler alert, it's through the saddest series of events possible over and over and over again. We'll get there. <laughs> but yes, so there. this is the 10th one. And really quickly, it's the 10th one in the main buddy series. As uh, big bud heads will know. Which normally is a drug reference, but in this case means you really like the Buddies franchise. There's already there, with it by by movie two of Air Bud. There's already a spinoff series called MVP Most Valuable Primate. Yes, about, we start with monk. We start with chimp movies. Yeah, with uh, with about a dog of uh, not a dog. Sorry, a chimp who plays hockey. And then they kept because I guess they're like, well, there's no way we can fit Buddy into this fucking hockey shit. I don't know. Get a chimp. So they they're making not just buddies movies, but then sequels to the MVP franchise concurrently. <laughs> and all of these movies, like fucking all of them, are after the first Airbud movie, essentially, and the two that after the two that went to theaters are directed by one guy who only makes these movies. He has no movies. His filmography is genuinely startling like gen- genuinely you open up the tab and, you, and 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 like you are blasted with stimuli um it is his name is robert vince he's a canadian filmmaker like aaron was saying he started out making the mvp movies he made mvp most valuable primate he made mvp2 most vertical primate he rides a skateboard it's a great poster look it up um <laughs> they went into x games pretty quick uh yeah um, then Airbud, uh, seventh inning fetch, which was his sort of, uh, entry into the dog lands, um, which I imagine dogs I, are easier to work with than chimps I, and probably cheaper. I, I picture just a fucking, like, just a, just a very, like, unsheveled, greasy guy going, this is finally gonna get me to the fucking main event. <laughs> <laughs> this is my, this is my fucking meal ticket. Smile, chip! Smile, chimp! If you land this seven twenty, I'm getting I'm getting called up to the big leagues, which in this case is 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 both literal and metaphorical because, <laughs> because the movie that the big leagues is is the Airbud franchise, which as a metaphor is the cream of the crop for the animals playing sports movies, but also this one's about baseball, which is. <laughs> um also aaron i need to i need to send you a little screen cap i opened up um, in your chat um i opened up my uh the page for airbud is it say airbud international there's a movie called um spy mate spy mate part of the mvp series yeah uh and it has an airbud like 
branding tag on it, which shows you like, he was like, we're going to make a franchise. Before he had made even two Airbud movies, he was like, I'm, the chimps, they're also part of the Airbud. Um, and I need you to also see, for some reason, Letterboxd is like, oh, you're looking at Spy Mate? You definitely want to buy a handgun. <laughs> do you see this? <laughs> I do. Uh, <laughs> like, find out more about this gun. <laughs> what about me makes you think I want to buy a gun? They're like, they're like, you're looking up, the, you're on the page for Spy Mate. You want a quick way out, don't you? The recommendations under I'm thinking of ending things are Spy Mate, and then the recommendations under that are a gun. <laughs> If you made it to Spy Mate, we know what's next. <laughs> and we want you to be using our brand handgun for it. Airbud guns. <laughs> Blow that head ten feet in the air. <laughs> we move on to MXP, Most Extreme Primate, which I assume uh, at this point, since Klaus Kinski was dead, they didn't include him in the in the the competition for most extreme primate yeah that um, was actually a french horror film which is <laughs> <laughs> it was mostly inspired it's an american chimp based remake of high tension yeah le, le, le primate extreme <laughs> oh no that monkey's me Spoilers for high um, then he made the movie that feels like it would be a redemption arc movie from the cover called chestnut Apparently just about a cute dog in New York. I guess that's the plot of the movie. Look um, at, right. look at, hold on. I got an idea. What <laughs> if, uh, you know how we've been making dogs, animals, playing sports. What if this one doesn't play any sport? <laughs> this one I just know. hangs out at the park. What if he's just like a cute dog? And everyone's like, that's crazy. That's... Okay, fine. Straight to video. Fuck you two. <laughs> and they're like, there was never an option to go to theaters with this, Robert. <laughs> I want to be, like, when you look at his filmography, you know, like, when you look at John Carpenter's filmography or something like that, or, like, a director's filmography, and you're like, oh, I've seen all his movies, and then you go to Letterboxd, and you go look at everything that they've directed. What you end up seeing is, like, five short films or, like, some other 40-minute straight-to-TV thing that you've never heard of. Uh, Happens literally every director that I've ever seen, ever. There's always more stuff, even the stuff that you haven't heard of, just because these guys that are directors, they end up doing stuff that gets logged in Letterbox and, uh, but, you know, isn't like a movie that you were aware of and you have to decide, like, oh, do I want to be a completionist? Robert Vince only has these movies and nothing else. He didn't do a 20-minute TV special. He is only doing Air Bud spin-offs and straight to video sequels that's all he's ever done his like peter is not like sorting to the top and seeing 20 of these and then if you go below he does did some weird made for tv canadian horror like after school special or some shit in the 80s it's just these it's just these it's it's like, the most comically consistent filmography i've never seen I've ever anything seen. like this ever ever it's it's wild. go look go look and you will be like they gotta be joking there's like something without a cover on it it's like getting there's not it, it it's it's like opening the ark of the covenant <laughs> <laughs> um which mind you was not a good thing for the people that did it no um, <laughs> i'm just telling no, you you were a nazi saw, wanted to take over the world that was box. the worst thing 
So after Chestnut, we get into the Buddies franchise. This is when he kicks it off proper. So what this is, is instead of having uh, one Air Bud um, who does a sport, they're like, he at some point decided people just wanted to see puppies. And also, to be totally honest, I imagine puppies are easier to work with than doing stunts with adult dogs or doing literally anything with a chimp other than getting shit flung at you. I I don't want to skip ahead, but I just realized he's still making these movies. Uh, yeah. And he's moved away from the sports thing and gone to uh, reality singing competitions. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Did you see that? He's, in the last five, four years, he's made four pop star movies, which is... Uh, uh, American Idol for dogs. Yes, there's that is that is the I, I sorted his uh, letterboxd or his IMDb by uh, release date. Um, but don't worry, so, he still he still throws in a chimp movie with monkey up about a talking monkey who please, becomes please a read the, please star. read the synopsis. <laughs> a talking first of all the tagline is the fast and the furriest, which is a different movie. FYI, like. <laughs> Like Robert Vince, do one Google search. <laughs> a talking monkey seeks to gain fame and fortune as a movie star, but instead finds out what's most important of family. <laughs> Is that the most important thing for a talking monkey who wants to be a movie star? What this movie presupposes. <laughs> I would say. You know, the I most po- hold on. The most popular letterbox review is a half a star and says, don't ask. <laughs> I also love that this is, this is the movie that while the nation was crumbling and we were becoming, we, we, we were kicking off a series of events that would divide the nation. So in 2016, Robert Vince was like, I want to make a movie about a, about a monkey who gets too high in his own britches. Oh my god! Like I didn't, Peter, did you see Russell Madness? I, okay, yes, 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 yes. This was him trying to to segue into a different type of puppy movie. And no, America it's, but it's, was but it's, not but interested. Hold on, Russell Madness is from the same franchise. It has a puppy and a dog, and it's about them wrestling so, so i can I only feel assume... like and i feel like that's not a good avenue to go down when you're <laughs> when your movies turn into <laughs> what if we have a monkey fight a dog <laughs> so so <laughs> I, feel, I feel like you've crossed, crossed a Rubicon and are unable to see what your good ideas and your bad ideas. And keep in mind, your good ideas were, uh, what if we torture puppies and make them go to space? <laughs> <laughs> the same idea that the Russians had when they wanted to see if their rockets would blow up 70 feet in the air. <laughs> uh, who, like, what kind of... what? Robert Vince was Power Man. I'm gonna have a monkey fight a dog, and everyone's like, "Sure, I guess." We have exhausted literally everything else. We need two extreme sports movies with this fucking chimp. Sure, and what they do is though they don't do a chimp because I suppose a chimp fighting a Jack Russell Terrier <laughs> is impossible. 
Like, even they were like, that is too far. So they made it a spider monkey who fights a fucking Jack Russell Terrier? (laughs) How is this movie not rated NC-17? It's rated (laughs) Why Why is this not movie highly recommended by PETA? Like... Uh, also, John Ratzenberger is in this, which checks out. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, fucking, I'm gonna tell you, fucking legs off, dog. Vote for Trump. I'm gonna have this dog fight this monkey for money. <laughs> how do you? How are you making a movie about how, how dog fighting? Getting? Dog fighting, and you're like, it'll be cute. I promise, it'll be cute. I am usually the first person, Peter, to be like. When people worry about what's what kind of uh, movie or television show is going to set a bad example to children, like that's kind of the parents' fault and stuff like that. And you know, I do think showing the fun of having your dog fight other animals is potentially felonious <laughs> in the way it could corrupt children, because a lot of kids have access to dogs. And uh, if you teach them that dogs could be good wrestlers, I feel like um, in the same way there was a lot of like alligators being dumped into into toilets in the 70s in New York City. I feel like there's a lot of Jack Russell Terriers that didn't survive 2015 after kids watched this movie. <laughs> also, these DTV, I understand. Okay, so especially in 2020. I understand that there's when you have kids, there's a lot of time to fill. And also, you're going to be filling it with a lot of very, very bad content. As someone who does not have children of their own and has still somehow Yeah, you watched, have children. Has still somehow <laughs> watched... your own. <laughs> I have children. Not mine. <laughs> well, like, but the, I'm uh, a little uh, bit of a collector. <laughs> a, fe- a federal judge would contend that they are not mine. But I do have some children. Uh, as someone who does not, has not uh, both created and uh, still in the uh, 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 collection of uh, children business, as someone who does not still have children. Yeah, you got um, you got no skin in this game, literally. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this guy <laughs> has some issues to work out, and... The buddies movie is uh, killed a bunch of puppies. Yeah, so let me let me let let's, me get let's, us let's there. Let's get there because then we so got to circle buddies, back to the search for Santa Paws. Yeah, Air Buddies was the transition into what this the the franchise was for nine hundred entries. Um, air Buddies was you know an air basically transitioning it to it's not about Air Bud, it's about these puppies. They're all different stereotypes of people. There's like a prissy princess one. There's a bunch of racist stereotypes. You get it. Then the next one uh, is let's take the buddies and put them in different settings. Next one is snow buddies. And uh, if you're triggered at all by animal death, all of that, I'm going to suggest you skip forward about five minutes to nine hours, depending on how long Aaron and I take on this. But the snow buddies films, uh, all mind you, I'm not jumping through the franchise. These were all directed by the same guy. Same, these are all the same guy. All the same guy. He directed the second the second <laughs> movie Vince. of the Buddies. Snow Buddies. Which, by all legal understanding of how things should work in this country when, when our government is working correctly, should have also been the last Buddies movie and the last time Robert Vince ever got to direct them. 
movie. Okay, they so shut I- down luck. <laughs> <laughs> that was just some horses. People shoot horses all the time. Nobody cares. I, I go up to a farm sometimes and shoot a horse and the farmer's like, thank you. I have too many of these. Nobody cares about horses and they shut they shut down luck. They shut down luck. Dustin so, Hoffman was on that show. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman <laughs> had a bad horse killing. Snow but let me tell you, Snow Buddies does not have a a Dustin Hoffman. It does have a Jim Belushi and a Whoopi Goldberg. And a Tom Everett Scott. Man, these buddies these must be dog voices. Uh, there's, no, there's no way Whoopi Goldberg and Tom Everett Scott are showing up on set, right? <laughs> so, just to clarify, Luck, I think, has a body count of three. Three horses. Three horses. Which, you know, I understand three horses is much larger than five dogs, but in, numerically, five yeah, dogs mass. is more than three horses. Yeah, you don't, you don't judge it by mass, usually. <laughs> In which case, the death of somebody's Great Dane is worth more than most people's grandparents. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, which actually makes the math right now really checks out for that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking country. Uh, anyways, go on. So, uh, the deal with dogs in movies. So, we're coming back around to what I was saying. That dogs are, are, are very cute once they get past that. So- I mean, they're very cute immediately. But once they get past that sort of newborn stage, they get way cuter. Their eyes are open and they can bounce and walk around. They start walking pretty quickly, all that. Um, dogs are... Uh, movies generally are required to only use dogs eight weeks or older. Um because separating the dog from their mother earlier than that is uh, poses huge health risks to them. And also, anybody who's had a puppy in the past 10 years or so knows that as soon as you set up an appointment with their vet, they're like, do not let your dog play with other dogs, no matter how healthy those dogs are or whatever. Your puppy just only socialize with your puppy for the first x number of weeks so our friends got a puppy we got to go play with the puppy but the puppy didn't get to meet my dog for a period of time even though my dog doesn't go to the dog park or whatever um because dogs just give each other sickness and similar to babies and you have to use like hand sanitizer and shit um there's a period of time where you're not supposed to touch babies uh if you haven't washed your hands or if you are feeling sick at all right or if the parents say no so okay so the american humane association which is kind of like a joke organization they're um they whenever they're on set visitors are um they might not even visit set if the person has a good rep Uh, if they visit sets they're given very very catered looks at what's going on all of that um, the, 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 they assert that no animals were harmed in the making of this film, despite the fact that vets and such, um, were on set and, uh, they, they said essentially five dogs died, three died of gastrointestinal issues. And I think two died of parvo. Um, so essentially they had a bunch of young dogs in contact with other dogs in British Columbia and they traveled extensively from the moment they were taken away from a breeder taken up to British Columbia and then um, put in all together. And then they tried to quarantine some of them and put them on IV drips to fix them up. And then they would shove them back in when they were needed for shots. Like essentially gross negligence has been alleged on set. Uh, the, the fact we do know is five dogs died on set because they were taken away from five. The, uh, to be clear, puppy, dogs. five puppies. Yes. Puppy dogs. Yeah. 
who were uh yeah this isn't like uh this isn't uh grand torino for a bunch of old dogs to get one last chance or uh you know this isn't this isn't space cowboys for dogs sure space they died but ha- they died doing what they love in the twilight of the years standing perfectly still so we could superimpose a cgi talking dog mouth <laughs> Uh, so a, a lot of dogs died in Snow Buddies. So what you would expect is for this IMDb and Letterbox page to stop right here. Um, no. So what you, yeah, at you as a like human being with compassion that understands, you know, a- a- animals, especially dogs, are some of the most precious beings among us. They're not, you know, they're not uh, sinful. They don't hurt other people unless they're trained to. They're they're innocents in this world, and you may hear that story and go. The next logical step is to, for Walt Disney, a pretty big studio that probably doesn't need straight-to-video puppy-related uh, Airbud spinoff money, and and stop stop making these movies and make sure that, you know, Robert Vince, at the very least, if he doesn't direct again, he doesn't, uh, doesn't direct uh, movies with puppies. And uh, unlike you, what Disney thought is... Uh, Space Buddy is coming next year, <laughs> directed by Robert Vance. We we I cannot clarify enough that Snow Buddies came out in two thousand eight, and Space Buddies came out in two thousand nine. So he freshly. Oh, hold on, fr- and Santa Buddies. They're like, give them two for two thousand nine. Give them two went, uh, to bu- double up the buddies. <laughs> he went immediately, in, immediately from there to. All right, let's take a bunch of dogs to space, and uh, they get to meet Santa. Let's give them a little reward for all their hard work up in the Arctic. Yeah, so they, yeah, they let him do two more in the next year, and then uh, continued making them until I guess uh, twenty thirteen. It's funny you said he made made two more because the next one was uh, Pripyat Buddies, um, and they went to the exclusion zone near Chernobyl for the next one. <laughs> Uh yeah, it was a it was a mistake. I thought nineteen eighty forty buddies was a little <laughs> odd. Uh, that's that's where for the dogs that peace is war. <laughs> Why you coughing, Murray Curie? Uh yeah, so this guy anyway. So this all led to him making uh going away from the buddies. He did air buddies. He did snow buddies. And he's like, maybe, maybe the story came out while those the Santa Buddy in two thousand nine. He's like, I gotta, I gotta switch it up. I'm gonna move away from the buddies for a sec. It's gonna be an unre- unrelated movie, unrelated prequel. <laughs> the buddies is too hot right now. <laughs> we can't do another buddies. They're catching on to us. We've been murdering these buddies. Um, Never make a movie with a dog you're not willing to drop in thirty seconds and walk out the door. <laughs> so what can we do? Uh, I got it. Let's make it. Let's let's do a little trick, right? Where we say, "Oh, it's just a, a related, not a buddy movie, but for for the fans, they're gonna know it's a prequel to Santa Buddies." And that movie is what we're doing today, which is the search for Santa Paws. Now, I watched this back in 2017, just as as I said, as kind of a joke. I ended up, I think, the only time in my entire life I ended up live posting watching a movie because I kept getting progressively more completely and again we're gonna sound a little bit like how did this get made because this movie is bonkers this movie is insane i don't know how else to put it it is a series of decisions that is perplexing and uh jaw-dropping throughout an entire movie 
it has a little bit of that. We talked about this in Christmas Prince, where Christmas Prince is a movie that is made by aliens and that it knows all the notes, but it doesn't know how to play the song. And, and everything seems a little off. Like, it understands that this plot point happens and this plot point happens. This movie is like if a bunch of those same aliens did a ton of methamphetamines and then did it. <laughs> and then tried to, like, pass off their movie because it pulls in from so many things. Uh, Peter, you said, it, like, what, what did you say that this is, like, <laughs> this is eight movies stitched together with what? With dog blood. <laughs> with dog blood. And it is, uh, it it has no shame in tr- in the most horrific tragedies, which sometimes is a part of like these Christmas movies, like Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, like right. It's like the the orphan aspect to that movie, and all these other things related to it. Uh, you know, trying to get a family back together, trying to find a new family. This movie takes it to like a. It's mostly about people in lives that have died for our characters including like a five-year-old girl who is just literally walking around and saying my parents didn't make it over and over to everyone that she meets Uh, i'm sorry do you mind if i i I do the line reading yeah do the line reading my parents didn't make it Um. Yeah, and has a, a a lot of a lot of dog corpse for a dog movie, <laughs> like a, like more dog corpse than you want. There is still a phone. There's a picture on my phone of a dog corpse being thrown slowly heading towards a uh, incinerator furnace that is still lives on my phone and is starred because I look at it constantly and I laugh that there's a dead classy dog corpse being sent to the incinerator in this G rated Christmas movie. I remember I said it to Peter. I'm like, uh, and again, this, this reference has gone a little bit, uh, a little bit out of style by us as well. Uh, but I said, it is the room of children's Christmas movies. Every decision is perplexing. I don't know how this got made. And I was like, we need to figure out a way to cover it. And so, yeah, for this month, for curse, this is all the stuff that we're going to cover, Peter, in this cursed Christmas, in future cursed Christmas. This is the most cursed Christmas film of all time. And I have to say, the second I was done watching this, I started watching, because of course he kept making movies, uh, I started watching The Search for Santa Paws 2 which is a sequel to this movie and a prequel to Santa buddies, of course. Um, And I turned it off 20 minutes in because it did not have that level of every poor decision a screenwriter could make after a bunch of drugs energy. It was just like, Oh, this is just boring and bad. Like I, I didn't do the thing in this movie where I gave the terrible movie five stars on letterbox. But I was laughing so much in this movie. <laughs> I think it's what the I think this is what the one star plus heart rating is for. I think so. Like this truly is special, and it's not special in that it has a couple interesting plot points. It just it just never stops, and I don't know how this. Like we're gonna we're gonna go. It's to the our, gift that never stops taking. It never stops. It just. These people have never met parents or children or Christmas or any like or dogs uh, like I, I don't know how this movie was made. And so we're just going to do this. We're going to we're going to go to the musical break. We're going to talk about this movie. We we're not going to get deep into the themes of this movie. 
this we're going to cover this movie like most movie podcasts where we just go through all the stuff that happens in order because how could we ever circle back? So strap in, it's going to be a little bit of a format change only because all we would do is do the plot and then go back to everything we just said. So, yeah. Yeah, we're going to we're going to do it that way. We're going to go through the plot. It's going to be crazy. Uh it's not even spoilers because I have a feeling here's what's going to happen. You're going to listen to us describe this and you're going to go that sounds like they are exaggerating for comic effect. And I I just want to be clear. We we will make jokes, we will laugh about stuff, we will exaggerate. Everything we're saying in the plot happens in the exact way that we're describing it. And that was released by Walt Disney Pictures in 2010. <laughs> and some, like, I don't know, fucking uh, Eisner was like, I don't care what happened to the dogs. I want the DTV money to flow. This was rock bottom for Disney from a live action. I don't know if that's true, but if you told me it was, I would believe it because of what we're about to talk about happens in this movie. Uh, and it starts in the jolliest way of, of all by Santa receiving the corpse of a dead dog <laughs> from his dead best friend. <laughs> Peter, are you ready to talk about the search for Santa Paws? I don't know if I'll ever be ready, but yes. We're working hard to build this way so Santa Claus can leave. Each year, you see, you can depend on me. We'll make the perfect Christmas toy for every girl and boy. Everybody line up! Line up! Santa's coming! So, we're just going to walk through this plot, Peter. I'm not even going to bother doing an alternate taglines because... I don't know. What if Santa... Gets Mr. a dead dog as a present. Like what? Santa taxidermy dog. Also, I'm just let's just get this out here. You think that like who you get to play Santa doesn't matter in a movie because it's all eyes. And what this movie in the just never ending series of concerning and perplexing choices does, it casts the jump to conclusions, Matt Guy from Office Space. Famously anxious, cue balled sort of uh, stout character actor who is known for being uh, a a just wreck of Midwestern anxieties. (laughs) Well, but also like part of the reason he's so good in that role is that he has sunken dead eyes. And I'm not being trying to be mean to the actor. That is why that works so much. So when That's you're probably playing... why he was cast is because the character, you want to see this character and immediately understand that this guy um, hates his job, but also is clinging desperately to it because he has no idea what else to do. And it's all in the eyes. Like, this movie, when I first saw Santa, I remember in 2017, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, 
I have never I've seen a ton of movies featuring a Santa Claus. I've never seen a terrifying looking Santa Claus, even in Santa Claus horror movies half the time. Half the uh, time at least do they resemble except for rare exports where they're these like sickly skinny or like vile looking guys. Like at least in, in, in most horror movies, they're like they're jolly looking and they're riffing off of that. Um, yeah, or they're he... or they're skinny, but they're just like you know they're 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 not. They're usually riffing off of I... the, the the traditional Santa motif. They're not like they're not like oh here's a version of Santa and that Santa <laughs> whole, yeah that Santa has been dead since he had an affair in a Tampa Bay hotel room in 1994. Like the the whole thing with Santa is kind eyes like. And and I can't imagine more of a dead-eyed Santa that they got here. Like, I get that's just how the actor looks. I didn't cast him, but when like Google in search of the search for Santa Paws, Santa, and you will be terrified, and you'll be like, oh, you know, I I don't want to get into the habit of commenting on the way people look in certain roles, but. This person is uh, dead wrong for Santa Claus. <laughs> um, so that's the first uh, thing. It starts North Pole, elves, you know, getting well, ready for Christmas. Just to oh. save time, can we just note that every single song in this movie is vile and makes my, at, at best, at best. Yeah, I guess we didn't talk about how it's a musical, but it's the movie it, forgets it's a musical. I I do feel like this, this is this is uh go tr- go go see what uh go see what your notifications are up to time. <laughs> this is you not know, this is not uh this is not in any way uh trying to charge some Christmas spirit batteries uh, off of this movie uh time. Well, orf- orphans in an Annie type situation play a huge role in this movie, and I do feel like they're like well. Based on my limited understanding of orphans, those motherfuckers can sing. I okay, okay. So also we have to talk about this immediately, what? which is yeah. why are orphanages in movies always depicted as so miserable? And I guess before that, first question: Why are so many movies about orphans? Well, again, this person has heard of this. This methamphetamine hopped up on alien. Um, has heard of the concept of movie cliches and is just fucking ingesting drugs and you know it's it's alien physi- physiology is is really writing some crazy stuff uh this but even this like we'll get there but like annie i i've watched annie quite a bit because my daughter especially like the remake the whole thing about the matron? What do you call the person who's in charge of an orphanage? The matriarch, the the Mrs. Mrs. Havisham, Mrs. Yeah. Hathaway, so, what's her name? Yeah. The whole thing about her is that, like, she doesn't like kids and is is, is like not, not fit to be a parent and is getting money off them. Yes. But she's not like a sadist. Like, she's just not good at like she's not a this this orphan leader orphan leader you know the orphan this is the leader of orphan it sounds like she's like uh she's like abducted a bunch of children and made them join her like uh sun worshiping cult sure why not i mean it could be that but she (laughs) everyone's like like, you can't worship the sun it's passe she's like what if 
the personality of James Spader from Secretary ran an orphanage, but without, <laughs> but without the sexual component. She does, but she does kind of have, she has that uptight sort of like peeking over her glasses, but she's got very like, when I say uptight, I mean two things. One, obviously she's in- incredibly tense all the time and angry, but also she's wearing like very form fitting sort of like, Oh yeah. Uh, like, I'm, I, I, again i don't want to talk about people's said, oh, personal yeah. behavior but like to, she's kind of hot yeah yeah i guess it fits but it is the difference between like in 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 annie the kids may go to bed without their supper yes this movie's heard of annie and is like okay the kids go to bed without eating and also sleeping on a cement floor in a scary basement. <laughs> and also, for some reason, despite the fact that they have apparently crafted or stolen their own toys, they are not allowed to have they're toys. They're not allowed to have toys. No, they're not allowed to have toys. Literally, when the, the, the little five-year-old, four-year-old girl is like, my dead parents left me this ornament. She's like, fuck that, and throws it in the incinerator. And also, <laughs> that toy ends up in the incinerator, because this movie... Doesn't understand how movies work. Anyways, so it starts with Santa. They're singing a song in the workshop, uh, and they're all excited for Christmas. Uh, the, the song's the mayor- like, Christmas, Christmas, having a good time, Christmas, having a good time. Where else? I, I know you don't have a six-year-old in your house that sings constantly, but I do, Peter. And let me tell you, all the songs in this movie are written by a six-year-old who's just bebopping and scatting off the cuff. <laughs> um, um, but less charming because they're just it's fucking people you don't know um, uh yeah because it's not a, a a child going off of uh top of head and you love that child and you're listening to them discover languages uh you're listening to it you're listening to an adult man go what christmas, is something christmas, that is christmas the, the song needs that we need to have a christmas song in this movie i guess uh christmas 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 time Christmas, Christmas, Christmas rhyme. Look, as long as we're talking about the song, the last thing I'll say, because we're never going to get back to it, because we're almost already out of time. Um, <laughs> the, well, the, we talked the, about a lot of dead dogs today, but I think we all learned a valuable lesson. When the or, when the first orphan's kid sings a song, it's, again, they're like, they use household objects to sing. The kid fucking puts a plunger in her face like a microphone and start singing and you're supposed to be hyped by this moment it's like the kid fucking put put a fucking plunger in his that's not a microphone for kids in an orphanage grab a fucking like uh you know a a a hat rack or a coat rack or anything else but a fucking plunger she puts her fucking face like a little seven-year-old puts her face into it and starts belting out the song and everyone's <laughs> laughing and dancing everything about this movie is like a tim and eric or a parody i, I the songs are all insane. like interminable there's a song where quinn who's our our, our leading gal our yeah, leading yeah. orphan they didn't make it um she <laughs> she says it they three, didn't make it she says Not it three that her to five times gone they didn't okay we just they didn't make it as something you say about um if her parents were at dunkirk <laughs> like they they could have made it <laughs> yeah like there's a possibility they could have made it like but uh, that's something you because I, I, yeah, five also people don't... got out of the serial killer's basement except my parents they didn't make it <laughs> it's somehow okay so like saying someone passed away is obviously a little uh pardon the pun passe 
Um, because it's you it's say sort they're of, the, the little four year old. You say they're in heaven. Yes, That's yes, it. yes, yes, yes. It, it, and you, you, but saying something is sort of saying uh, they passed away is sort of passe, but it's it's like the gentlest possible way of saying someone is no longer alive. Um, saying they didn't make it, and her saying they didn't make it, or he's not going to make it when she's referring to a taxidermy dog, uh, over and over again in the movie implies that uh, the the. <laughs> like Woody Harrelson and Ben Foster showed up to her door <laughs> with an American flag, two American flags, excuse me, one per mom and dad, and well, uh, off to the orphanage, <laughs> and said, said they just didn't make it. They didn't get they didn't they didn't get out of, get out of Ho Chi Minh City before they closed up. <laughs> like this sort of this sort of as We'll never let them forget Benghazi. Like, (laughs) they didn't make it implies that an older person used that specific terminology for for, uh, her parents' death. And she just keeps passing that on over and over again. It's the only thing that's been internalized. I mean, that's the thing about Annie, right? Like, her parents aren't dead and definitely not dead to the point that she starts every conversation with where your parents... They didn't make it. They didn't Instead, make it. They had to go to heaven. Instead, it's like, oh, they're, you know, their parents aren't in their life. They gave them up for adoption. You never see your parents. Like, it's not this, like, not only are we going to call out specifically why they're orphans, we're going to make it. The daughter's super sad about it because it was explained to her in a bad way. So anyways, the movie starts, we're still in the North Pole. Santa gets a package and he's like, oh, a package for me? Santa? No one sends me. I'm the package oh, giver. This oh, is great. Oh, oh, what did they do? Put to the North Pole? Signed Chris Kringle? Oh. Look at this, everyone. A package for Santa. Your, your, your Christmas daddy up here in the North yeah. Pole. Yes, daddy Santa. gets a present. All these, everyone's like <laughs> cheering him on and stuff like that. And he opens it up. And, uh, it's the corpse of a dog. <laughs> <laughs> this is i want to be very clear this is three minutes into the movie and it's a, it it's a dead taxidermied dead-eyed dog and he looks from from mr hucklebuckle who you have never met before but you know he has a very silly name and he is dead and he goes oh this is mr hucklebuckle's dog it seems mr hucklebuckle died <laughs> And he wanted me to have uh, his, his, I guess, his dead dog. Um, Who could only be revived with North Pole magic. Anyway, so Santa is now kind of bummed about Christmas. Because, again, he's... I don't know how to get past this, like... I like it doesn't take long for you to be like what? <laughs> he sent him a package as <laughs> like of a it's a, he opens it and there's all these like elves which are played by little kids whose faces drop and Santa holding a, the dead dog in his hands. That's how the dog movie for kids starts, guys. <laughs> nobody says, and nobody says, oh, it's a stuffed dog or whatever at this point. Anything to comfort a child. There's no comfort no, given. Or like, oh, 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 he get, he froze his dog. We can wake him up. No one says this 
for maybe 15 minutes 20 minutes like we have to get through the santa intro then we have to meet this couple from la who's gonna run this her their dead parent their dead father's store oh yeah and then they're like oh yeah i guess we can bring the dog back to life or something well they don't it's a new dog like they take the corpse of the dog and make it's like a fucking reanimator dog. I, like, okay, so anyways, so uh, let's get to that part quick, right? So Santa, it's not like there's any joy in this moment. Santa's not taking it well again because his, he finds out his dead friend. Thank God he didn't ship his own fucking corpse up to Santa because that is on the table for Mr. Hucklebuckle oh, at this point. Mr. Hucklebuckle got Santa off the oxy. Ho, ho, ho. What's this? A giant package. Maybe it's a Christmas tree. Oh, my God. It's Mr. <laughs> Hucklebuckle. <laughs> Just to invite me to, to the funeral, you old freak. <laughs> your body <laughs> to note without all without uh him knowing who like if the 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 uh the card that came attached with the dead dog had somehow gotten lost or slipped beneath the package or the letter the envelope slipped beneath the dead dog he would just assume that some stranger was sending him a uh, no, dog no because he knows the dog because he said this was mr mr hucklebuckle loved this dog so who knows how long this fucking dog's been dead wait a minute like, oh my god okay so <clears throat> this movie let's talk about the timeline there were santa buddies which has in it i watched the trailer there's an adult uh whatever white 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 retriever or great parent great pyrenees like whatever just like a big fluffy sweet dog there's a there's there's that dog in 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 santa buddies his name is uh santa paws this movie is a prequel as is santa paws 2 or both prequels Mm -hmm. to santa buddies which came out in 2009 yeah so let's 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 sit here for a moment you love Santa Buddies. Your child loves Santa Buddies. Keep in mind, this is a year later. This is not six years later. This is literally one year later. You say, oh, there's a new Santa Santa Buddies movie. Oh, it's a, it's got a little different title, but, you know, it's going to have cute dogs, whatever. I'll, I'll show my child it. And the first dog you see in the movie <laughs> is the lead dog, <laughs> the titular Santa Buddies Santa Santa Paws. Pa- Santa Paws dead in a box. Dead so it's box. not just every, that Santa's and, and going through this. Anybody just, that had had seen anybody that had seen Robert Vince's last movie is being punished right now for the sight of a dead dog. Well, not only that, it's a dead dog that ruins Christmas for Santa Claus. <laughs> And Santa Claus can see everything. He's seen a lot of dead dogs. He didn't know about the dead dog. His Santa Snow Globe, Peter, did not let him know that that fucking Mr. Hucklebuck. I made some adjustments to the Snow Globe. There's a lot of dead dogs out there. <laughs> so many dead dogs. But yeah, the, the also implication is that Mr. Hucklebuckle at some point in his life lost a dog, stuffed it, and then that's been his buddy. So that there's no fucking, there's barely a note in his card. He just sees the fucking dog corpse and's like... Mr. Hucklebuckle must have passed away. It's the only reason he would have uh, sent me his dog's corpse that he loved so, so much. <laughs> Anyways, this is the first five minutes of a children's G-rated movie. Um, So, yeah, fast forward to this uh, 
of course, Mr. Hucklebuckle's family. And also, let's be very clear, it's a husband and wife. The the father, or not the father, the the uh the man, I don't know their names. Who cares really? But I uh miss- oh, oh I, I I got this. Um I don't know their names, but their names are the Huckle family. Well, yeah, because he changed his name, but they because his last like, name is because the la- his last name that we was given is hor- horrifying. Hucklebuckle. Like what is this cutesy bullshit? It kind of sounds like an ethnic slur from the thirties. It, it sure does. It sounds like it's. It sounds like oh, you hear about those Turks? They're real hucklebuckles. Yeah, I know. Like, wait, what? It's so it's it's like some senator from the south that gives that calls someone a hucklebuckle, and then all of a sudden has to apologize because <laughs> he didn't well, know it was a racist term. Well, back in my day, we didn't call them Hungarians. We called them hucklebuckles. Grandma used to mean it as a term of endearment. I guess I passed off. I am not dropping out of my campaign. Um, um, and and just to clarify, um, I I think probably uh the name changed to Huckle um at Ellis Island when the family uh came to America during the War on Christmas, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, Huckle's also a shit name, dude. Yeah. You're changing it, like, just just Johnson. But I, it it, con- it conceals their North Pole heritage at a time when, I imagine, because of the, the war North on Pole, Christmas. They're, gra- they're not from the North Pole. They're Have you seen Santa Buddies? Santa. I mean, maybe. Then why aren't you yes-anding my joke? Well, I'm just pointing out that Santa's <laughs> just friends with random New Yorkers, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> New York? What a town. By the way, this is definitely the New York. I, I imagine most New Yorkers recognize the one that there's four puff pieces on the same fucking Santa at one random toy store. But anyways, <laughs> so this couple, which, all, by the way, she acts like she's also related to Grandpa Hucklebuckle. And it's very keeps calling him my grandpa and our family about like a lineage. It's weird. I don't like it. Peter. <laughs> It, 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 uh, my wife when I had a conversation a few days ago about COVID and that sometimes it's hard um, because like I don't you don't want to um, agree with your family or disagree with your, your wife or your husband or your partner and be like, um, oh, yeah, we're not doing that in front of other people or like in, in a group text or something. Like if somebody commits to something, you don't necessarily want to be like. Uh oh yeah we we're not doing that or like oh yeah we'll definitely do that like that sort of like you and you and you deciding that the risk is worth it and them not deciding the risk is worth it uh immediately after we had this conversation about a specific event where we had like had differing ideas of what was worth the risk um amongst friends who are all you know self isolating whatever don't fucking don't don't write me don't at me bro um the um. <laughs> She they go into this toy store and there's a there's a kindly old man who walks in the front door and says, uh, yeah, <clears throat> if you don't run this business uh, through the holidays, you're not getting any ear hair in here. Well, he's, he's you need helped. to operate. He's, uh, you need all, to operate. He's not, at- he's not like that. He is the oh, your only stipulation in the will is that you got to turn a profit and then it's yours forever. <laughs> And like, and, and the the, he's, the game he's more is magical. Yes, the game is fixed though. That like they'll they'll turn a profit as long as they run the store. Like no matter what, it's fine. But but this guy comes in, he, he and he gives an offer, and the and this guy's like, 
uh, we have we live on the other side of the country and I have a successful business. And she's like, we'll take it. Our family lineage is Huckle Buckles demands it. I don't, I don't know what's going on. It's bizarre. Uh, neither of them are good at acting, which is also um, he he seems like he is fucking taking he is only like freebasing lutes and edibles, and that's his whole personality. But what he knows is he needs to go back to a successful accounting firm at the other part of the coast, but I guess they'll run it so he can sell it. Uh, anyway, Santa's still, we go back to Santa. Santa's still fucking bummed that his friend's dead and his dead friend shipped him a dead dog. Um, thankfully, some of the elves noti- noticed that the corpse was uh bumming bumming harching the christmas vibe we'll say so they go to the i want to get this exactly right it's the great christmas icicle which is a giant icicle mm-hmm. in the in the middle of a glacier mm-hmm. that that all of christmas's power comes from and actually peter fun fact why santa's an immortal because every Christmas he gets an infusion from the great Christmas icicle. And uh, that's why why he's immortal and has uh, Santa powers. And what they do to, to resurrect, like, fucking Herbert West, this dead dog, into a new <laughs> The life, serum. The serum. Is they steal some of the great Christmas icicles magic and puts that necklace around his neck. And that's how Santa works, too. I'm always fascinated on, like, Christmas movies that put weird convoluted Christmas lore in. But this is some real fucking, I don't know. (laughs) There's a magic icicle, and they suck out its power, and that's well, Christmas works. Um, They don't usually tie it to something so specific. So anyways, so now this dog, who's now a puppy again, it it wasn't a puppy, (laughs) in corpse form, is now a puppy. Uh, I guess it's like a Jesus thing. It's, it's a resurrection. Has also a collar with part of this icicle's power, and that's going to be important because now that the dog is fine, Santa decides to go visit the store of his dead friend and bring his dog back. Like, I am unclear at why he's going back, but anyways, he parks his reindeers in Central Park. I generally, when someone sends me a dead dog, I I bury it. I don't um do a return to sender uh myself i feel like he's going there to say hi to someone but he, i as far he doesn't know the who the, his the dead friend i don't know i guess he thinks someone's there but anyways he parks the at, at, because they've seen elf a bunch of fucking the... californian la people who say oh. happy holidays <laughs> yeah well, do you remember that Oh yeah, of course. Peter, I was taking I, I was taking notes, and uh, and Molly had to pause and re rewind a little bit, uh, because she was like, "Did you did you did you hear that?" And I was like, "I didn't." Um, and I think I'm just yeah. so used to that from Hallmark movies, but it took well, me. But, a, but took the me, lawyer, oh. the the magical lawyer, turns back and goes, "Merry Christmas." So yeah, he they, says it with a little bit of like a little bit of sass, like you'll get there, you'll get there. Um, so here's where, here's where the movie takes an even greater turn. Uh, so we also meet the, 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 uh, we meet Quinn, who's the four-year-old who goes in and meets the other streetwise orphans with the crazy James Spader-esque matron, uh, who's like, no toys. 
I, you fucking kids, I'll make you sleep in the basement and never eat again. It's crazy. And then if they find a toy, he throws them in the incinerator. That's going to be important. So now the movie, now that we've set up all that, now the movie gets really crazy. Because, and again, this kid's movie, Santa Park's the reindeer at Central Park. Because the movie producers had seen Elf and understand that's where reindeer carriages go. And then he is walking to the toy store. And the dog, because it's, again, a new life <laughs> into this world, uh, the great Christmas icicle did not impart it with uh, knowledge, apparently. Uh, and Santa's just walking around with it unleashed in New York City. It's about to get hit by a car. So Santa, and you're like, oh shit, as a kid, I'm watching a dog who was already dead almost get hit by a car. Terrifying. Oh, thank God he was saved. Oh, how was he saved? Oh, Santa pushed him out of the way, and now Santa got hit by a car instead, and is lying seemingly dead on the road. And the in the confusion, the dog gets lost and separated from Santa. As they pull Santa away from the car that just hit him, uh, a guy walks up and robs him. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it, it's every so this is this is eight what? movies. This is eight movies glued together with dead dog blood. But All like it, start, it starts the, off kind of a cute elf riff where they're like, oh, but the little dog is elf. But also it's got to be um, it's got to be an Annie riff because there's an orphanage. Also, there's a lost dog in New York and he meets other dogs. So it's sort of like a homeward bound to riff. Also, this mall Santa gets amnesia from getting hit by a well, car. He's, he's, hold on. he's not a mall Santa. He is Sorry. Santa. Uh, uh, and a, 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 a would-be mall Santa. So um, he gets robbed. They take his magic coat and they take, uh, most importantly, his magic uh, icicle portion that gives him his Santa power. And he take his MTA card. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, it, But like it is, let's is, we'll pause there before we get to the um, amnesia part. <laughs> But already you're seeing, like, it's a movie that heard the things and didn't know when to stop. It's like, yeah, it's like an orphan. So she'll say that her her, her parents didn't make it to everyone that she meets constantly. So we recognize her inherent sadness in existence right now. Yeah, that'll work. Um, oh, yeah, it, Santa has a friend that died. What if he ships him a dead dog as a way to say goodbye? Oh, uh, it's like an elf. Like, what's going on? We're kind of a fish out of water. What if Santa gets mowed down by a car and fucking robbed? <laughs> like, every it, it's it forgets the cutesy part and takes it to its like fucking Mean Streets Paul Schrader version. Why? Why is there an evil homeless person in this kids movie <sighs> at a point in the movie where? We can all we need at this point is Santa gets amnesia in New York and he yeah. needs to get his memories back. He forgets that he's the real Santa, but he has Santa like hunches. Sorry, none of this shit makes sense. Sorry, there's no way to save this. But regardless, why did they need why this is this movie introduces new talking dog characters when we haven't seen any of them at oh, 45 minutes into the movie? Like, yeah, because there's a, there's an evil dog catcher who's out there just trying to catch dogs. Again, like, why are orphanages and job. dog it's catchers? Da- it's also it's Daryl from Crazy Ex Girlfriend, but he doesn't get to sing, and it's not that good. So hold on, so yeah, you, we we said it. So as a result of all this, Santa wakes up and he has amnesia. Meanwhile, the 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 dumb Huckle couple is like, well, I guess we got to run this store. I don't know, maybe a Santa would be good. 
our amnesiac Santa wanders into this store and they're like, oh, good. We didn't think we were going to be able to get a Santa. We called the agency and they laughed at us. But now you're Santa. He's like, what? What? He, 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 they very quickly realize he's not sent by the agency, but he is. He does kind of look like a, again, a sunken eyed, scary Santa. And their reaction to that is not, can we find your family? Can we help? Uh, he's like, they're like, oh, well, still cool. So I don't know. We'll call you Bud. Great connection to Air Bud because we don't know your name. You want to live in the room in the toy store and still be Santa, though? He's like, sure, I guess. And, uh, yeah, there's a whole stretch of this movie where he is, like, feeling too sick to work because his icicle powers are draining and he's uh, dying. Uh, which they call out specifically. And this fucking Huckle couple is like, yeah, we don't know what's going on with him. He's like, he's an amnesiac homeless person who wandered into your store that you put to work and is living in the back room. And and at no point do you make any attempt to help him, but you making him work 16 hour days in your toy store? And then when he's like not feeling good, you're like, oh, well, that's weird. Well, hopefully he gets to work soon. Like, it's insane, Peter. Absolutely wild. Like, the the obvious movie choice where it's not extremely disturbing and everyone should be in jail is that he recognizes he doesn't remember a thing but wants to have his cover and recognizes he's a Santa thing. So when they ask him if the agency sent him, he says yes. Right? So that he is kind of pretending to be a mall Santa when he kind of puts two and two together what's going on while he tries to figure out who he is. That has an air of innocence to the exploitation that this huckle couple is doing to this poor, ill, homeless man, uh, theoretically. Yeah, these these mother huckles. The, the, the mother and father huckles. Yes. Instead, they go past that where he specifically says, I'm not from the agency and I don't know who I am. And I woke up in a street with no identification. They're like, great, though. So you'll just work for us then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, 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 and then the, the, like they understand all of it and are still like okay though but like christmas so but like here's the thing all this these sort of like silly contrivances would be charming if the movie had any sense of focus uh or good music or it was funny like there's n- there's absolutely nothing to smooth over the cracks and so these cracks just grow into these crevasses of logic where you're just like you, the the whole movie is just slipping into these crevasses but it's this like disgusting gloopy christmasy syrup that just manages to fill them over and it's just like all right <laughs> we're gonna keep on moving and then it, it it's way of trying to keep its head uh, you know above water is by just adding a new character every 15 minutes like it's trying to outrun god yeah it's so it's so uh disconcerting to watch because you're just like wait you had the budget for another set of dog wranglers a whole bunch of other child actors uh uh, uh, one of the Reno 911 cast. You had all this extra budget for all these new characters. Why didn't you spend it on literally anything that matters? And instead, it's just this this insanity train that just won't stop. <laughs> this insanity stopped. train that runs on dog blood. 
it's it, it, it the pastiche shit is uh the pastiche shit is absolutely wild in this because it refuses to commit to any of them there's even a little kid that's riffing on uh the little kid from up do you remember this yeah. Yeah, jimmy yeah the little scout kid yeah, yeah, I forgot. It's so hard to forget he's in the movie. He's solving the mystery of who, because he finds the reindeer. He's unconnected to the other kids, by the way. He just finds the reindeer in the alley or the park. Yeah, so he's um, he's uh, a character that sort of drifts in uh, in a dreamlike fashion. And I don't know if it was because my attention had wavered or the movie just decided that we all know who Jimmy was. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if it was the latter where the movie is just like, well, we all know Jimmy, right? It's also, po- yeah, it's local possible scout for five minutes and put him in from a different movie. <laughs> Mind <laughs> like you, in your head, I, was... I, I could have been like, if I had been like Peter, there's no Jimmy in this movie. I'm sure of it. You would have questioned yourself for at least 30 seconds. Uh, I would I would absolutely need to pause for a moment, re- re- question my own memory, and then go to Wikipedia to confirm this fact. Because I there's no way I would make a strong argument that my memories of this are right. And so usually if I was watching a Hallmark movie or whatever, I play by the uh, no pause button rule, um, which is uh, if I go to the if I go to the bathroom, if I go if I go to the fridge to grab a beer. If I'm sitting on the floor playing with my dog and Molly and I start having a conversation, absolutely no pausing. Just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah, but with this movie, it's with tough, this though, movie, I had pa- to pause. Pause is in it for most of the movie. At, <laughs> and pause. Was in you it can't just say movie. no pause. You can't. He's the star. And and, and I, I was in search of Santa pause. I was in search of the Santa pause button, so I could go take a leak. But no Santa pause. Uh, so I had to sit there and watch the whole movie, and yet I feel like there are vast gaps in my knowledge of the film that just are just they're just there because my they're they're just there because my brain eventually was like we need to protect you from trauma, sweetie. You need to stop. For, we're we're going to stop forming short term memory for a little bit. And, I, and so there's like there's like multiple song sequences where I'm pretty sure my body was like I, it did what I used to do in math class when I was in like seventh grade. We're just like, let's go on a journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing is, is I remembered some bullet points of how insane this movie was. And there was more under the surface. It's a, it's a never ending cavalcade. So. I want to get to one little thread, and then who knows? I guess we can wrap up and yeah, let's, 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 call our moms and tell them we love her or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, so wait, um, you'll call you'll call my mom. And I'll call your mom. Oh yeah, I'm not a huge fan of my mom right now. She doesn't believe maths are a good idea. The so the the whole thing with the kids in the orphanage is that um, there's one older streetwise one that has to help the other kids, but unfortunately, when the other kids fuck up, she gets punished by once again uh, sleeping next to the incinerator in the basement on the cement with no food but eventually the whole thing is that these kids and they eventually meet up with santa paws who once you know it is out there trying to find santa and all the kids can understand what the dog is saying so they try to smuggle him into the orphanage which this lady is finding like earrings and throwing them away she finds the dog and she just in an act of anger rips off the uh, neck, the collar that Santa Paws is on. And the older kid has to go sleep in the basement overnight with the dog saying, hey, the 
dog catcher will be here tomorrow to take away this dog and put him down. They make it clear they're going to kill this dog again. Uh, they want to be clear what the stakes are to children. What you don't know as a movie watcher is that when the necklace isn't on the dog for a certain amount of time, dog turns back into a fucking corpse. <laughs> so this dog, little... this dog has a essentially a, uh, a, a an insulin pump. Um, and that if you do not put this magic crystal on this dog, uh, guess what? The dog dies. Yeah. Again. So this girl. So how do we fade up on that scene? Well, let me tell you, innocent podcast listener. The girl wakes up hugging the dog, which is now no longer a dog, but a dead corpse. The girl is wrapped around a dead corpse of a dog. And they come down, they're like, what the fuck is this? I thought the dog was a, you know, this is a taxidermy dog. So what do they do? The 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 matron handles it the only way she knows how, which is to throw the dog in a conveyor belt incinerator. It and solved it, all of her other problems. Why wouldn't it, it solve this one? So the movie, of course, in a, it's a slow-moving conveyor belt. Thank God. So the movie keeps cutting back to a dog corpse slowly moving into a giant fucking fire. And eventually, don't worry, the four-year-old climbs on it, Quinn, and pulls the corpse off of it. And they're able to get the necklace back and bring Santa Paws back to life. Concurrently to this, old Chris Kringle's been getting pretty sick, especially because he's working 16-hour days for, I mean, he doesn't have an I-9, so probably he's not getting paid for any of this shit. (laughs) Um, I also used uh, diabetes as a metaphor for the dog. Um... I imagine Santa Claus also just has diabetes. In a literal sense. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> um, so you go, man. This movie. Also, oh, we didn't even talk about this. I'm just going to pause here. It's implied that um, the Huckles, it's especially sad for them to have to operate a Christmas store with all these kids coming in, including Quinn and the older, uh, the older orphan, the streetwise orphan, because um, either... They are unable to have kids, or as I think it's implying, they lost their kids somewhere along the line. Um, because they have a very sad hug, and they say that they wish they had kids with them. Which I guess could mean too, but it feels like they're actually very sad about a specific loss. So, I guess which way do you want to take it? They aren't able to have kids, they lost a kid, either way, it's a fun G-rated Airbud sequel movie so but and those kids do come and they're like what oh you guys are orphans because of course the little girl quinn is like my parents didn't make it <laughs> they're like oh it's so sad so that's going to be important here in a is second santa going to die so yeah so they find out santa's really sick and even though now mickey the elf or his name isn't mickey he's mickey on seinfeld Sure, he's Mickey Bale. How does it feel he, that the uh, the uh, uh, sitcom uh, from the mid-90s treated that character with more dignity and respect than uh, a movie from a full 15 years later? Yeah, I think that's right. Especially a, a, a sitcom that specifically was about treating nothing with respect, treated it with more respect. But anyways, they, they finally track him down through the Cub Scout guy. So they find him. The day is saved. Also, the some orphans matron supervisors like, 
Holy shit, are you making kids sleep with dog corpses in a basement? You're out of here. I'm going to take over and be a good matron. And all the kids are cheering and excited about that. So you're like, oh, movie over, day save, dog back to life. The problem is this fucking uh, guy who stole all the Santa stuff lost the necklace. So, and he's also been ripping off people because he's pretending to be a fucking Salvation Army Santa who's stealing everyone's money. <laughs> a lot of plot. <laughs> uh, that never gets rectified, but he does try to help Santa. But unfortunately, oh, I lost the necklace. Uh, and so uh, Mickey comes out and is like, too bad. Santa's not going to make it. Santa's not going to make it. <laughs> he's not going to make it. He lost too much of his power. He didn't have his crystal for too long. He's not going to make it. So... Pause. The dog offers to um uh sacrifice himself so that Santa can live, and he gives his necklace. And, and Mickey's like, "Are you sure you know this will kill you?" And he's like, "I can't imagine a world without Santa." So the necklace goes to Santa Claus, who then lives. He wakes up in the morning. And it's like, oh my god, I'm back to normal. What happened? Where's Paws? Where's Paws? Well, next to him, as a corpse again. <laughs> because he sacrificed himself for Santa. It keeps getting worse somehow. Peter. I, I always love for my Christmas movies to not question, will Santa deliver the presents on time? Uh, and more ask me the question, um, is Santa going to make it? Santa, much like much like Quinn's parents, will Santa suffer the same didn't make it fate? This movie feels more. I'm not. I'm not going to make some outlandish comparison to Cannibal Holocaust or something, <laughs> but this movie feels far. We we say that like there was all these movies in the 80s that and the 70s that like traumatized kids, especially like TV movies like Trilogy of Terror or whatever in the 70s and then the 80s. It was like Gremlins was on TV all the time. Temple of Doom at the heart scene, like this sort of kinder trauma thing. This yeah. movie feels like a movie that is that could genuinely traumatize a child, but without trying to do anything outre or uh, anything um uh, excessively violent or scary like the yeah, fact it's all, like it's, it's all, all like, like inner damage it's, like how, well how do you feel about this cute dog sacrificing which one do you want do you want the cute dog on screen or do you want presents for christmas it's a conundrum for a five-year-old anyway good night it's a christmas it, movie and it's all kind of like banal shit like watching an old man die in bed and uh you wake up in the morning and your dog's just not moving like it's all kind of like banal traumas that like we we yeah. at some point in your life you will go through like being in a hospital room with a dying old person or like you wake up one day and one of your pets isn't alive it might not necessarily be a dog but you know like these are all sort of like painfully banal traumas that we shouldn't have to go through and no child should be made aware of <laughs> No, uh, and don't worry, the, your point of view character is a four-year-old, which is way too young to, to have to go through this much trauma. So anyways, sad, of course, that Paws has died. She also doesn't have the Annie-like resilience. No, no, she's she just, is like, she's she just sort down. of like, I guess life is miserable, huh? 
She is like, look at the floor, never never gets a clean pair of clothes or even her face washed. They like her like, no, this is an orphan baby. Dirt on that face the whole movie. And it always does the like, look at the ground like, my parents didn't make... It is a miscalculation of epic proportions, which we can talk about uh, uh, here in a sec. I want to wrap up the movie because you're like, well, holy shit, that's a lot of trauma. I'm assuming it's done. So the... Uh, the Huckle Buckles, or the Huckle, sorry, do end up keeping, they end up, uh, they find out that their grandpa, might as well be their grandpa at this point, uh, ended up only turning a profit of one cent, which means nothing in the context of this movie. Like, like, didn't he want to eat at some point? But anyways, they ultimately end up giving some money to charity and are like, we we made a profit of a cent. And the, the lawyer guy comes back and's like, well, I suppose you're going to go back to your fancy L.A. accounting firm. And they're like, and the whole time, I want to call this out, the whole time he's calling them the Hucklebuckles. And and I rewound this to make sure that was the case. He's like, well, I guess Mr. and Mrs. Hucklebuckle, you can go back to your, and he's like, no, I think we're going to stay. He's like, well, that's a good choice, Mr. Hucklebuckle. And he goes to leave, and they go, hey, it's Hucklebuckle. <laughs> And it's like the like, old man has the old man has insisted on this stupid name that they have told him is not their name. But but it is like but here's the, it's the idea that they've been the whole movie they've been saying it's it's actually Huckle. It's like the line reading is from someone who recorded this months later. <laughs> it is, but like so the whole time anytime anyone calls him Hucklebuckle, they say we're Huckle, right? But this guy kept calling him Hucklebuckle in this last scene. He never calls him Huckle. I rewound it to make sure, and then as he says goodbye, he goes, "Hey, it's Hucklebuckle," and and this guy probably was like, "Yeah, I, I know." I, I called. I called you your name. Also, you can't just change your name because you want. It. You can't change your surname. You can change your first name to whatever you want. You can't just <laughs> yeah, change your surname on a hunch. I'm a but lawyer. It's, it's like if if Peter, if the whole time I was around you, you had been wanting to go by Pete, but I only called you peter and then i'm like hey peter hey peter hey peter and then as i'm leaving you're like hey it's peter (laughs) yeah i i know i've been calling you that the whole time so that's bizarre anyways but these two decide uh based on all the orphan kids they adopt two of the kids okay so this is the thing if this were an orphanage with 50 kids and there there's, was some other there's there five some, kids and they also provided a motherly uh or you know uh, just a, a lovely sort of uh you know uh, uh, like uh, like they had a special connection with one but they didn't really but they didn't like, have a special connection with one they they met these kids barely at all and then they yeah. just adopt the two main kids because they're the most important kids and then there's yeah. three other kids like also it's a fucking christmas movie with a talking dog adopt five kids Who adopt cares? The five kids like yeah this movie is no less realistic than 101 dalmatians and they had 101 fucking dalmatians adopt all the fucking kids adopt every orphan in the world who gives a shit it's a christmas movie <laughs> i know but no they don't they, they also you're gonna be bankrupt someone... anyways you only made a penny this year you made a penny how are you feeding these kids anyways he's gonna uh, have to get a cpa license in new york in like two months it's a christmas store it's a toy store for yeah they adopt the two the oldest and the youngest um 
for no reason. The other three kids are stuck in the orphanage with a nicer lady, but still in the orphanage. Well, she's not like played as like a Miss Honey figure from Matilda no. or like a, a, just a, 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 you know, a, a Miss Honey figure. Like she's not played as this sort of like, oh, she's finally she's won't here. Ab- won't abuse them. Yeah, she's just she's just there as, yes, exactly. She's like a bureaucrat who uh, has technically seen enough evidence that their abuser can be blocked from the entrance. That does not mean that their future is brighter no it's like which mom do you want because it's two moms it's like well no it's one (laughs) yeah it's one bureaucrat who doesn't want the paperwork of all the abuse and like a loving family yeah why doesn't they why don't they adopt all the kids and then the matri and then the um the you know the the the, uh the reno 911 uh evil uh Evil. Did we come up with a term for the head of the saying matron? Matron of the orphanage. Um, Why didn't they they adopt all the kids? And the matron of the orphanage is like, you can't because then I won't get any checks for my you know hats and coats. Um, And then uh, you know the fucking um, then the 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 bureaucrat can come up and be like, actually, we're closing your orphanage and all those kids are going to this family because you're an asshole. Like that's no, they have to stay in the same shitty orphanage. Yeah, or or they get new matron. Or this, this, or if the, you think it's too crazy to have them adopt five kids, have them run the orphanage. Like, who gives a shit? This movie already has a thousand plot lines that go nowhere. Just fucking yeah. make it as sweet and saccharine as possible. It's a, it's a movie for kids that think dogs can talk if they talk to them enough. Who and gives don't a shit? Mind corpses. This is um, kids that are a little cor- corpse curious. So yeah, it is insane, but it really is like, give me that one and that one. We've formed no connection to any of the kids, but those two have been our the main characters of the movie we've been watching. That's what's crazy, is that they adopt the two main characters of the movie that we, the audience, have been watching, but have no connection whatsoever besides, like the rest of the kids, went into their store once. Anyway, uh, so I'm going to get back to them for one more, because you think, oh, there's probably not so much crazy stuff. But anyways, they... Um, they take the corpse back, the dog corpse back to the Great Christmas Icicle. And unfortunately, because the rules of the Great Christmas Icicle have been defined very clearly, as it gets closer to Christmas, it loses its power to resurrect the dead. And so unfortunately, there's just not enough Christmas magic in the Great Christmas Icicle to actually bring Paws back to life again. I assume in this case, it would be back as paws and not a new reincarnated body, but that's a whole metaphysical question that we don't have time to get into today. But clearly they think this time it'll just resurrect as paws again, not as uh, Mr. Bumblesnatch or whatever's fucking dog, first dog that died. Um, but then Santa cries, and that's enough to give the magic to resurrect paws. So that's good. So, of course, the first thing that he thinks after this harrowing experience in the in New York is let's go back to New York. Uh, also, for some reason, this process doesn't bring him back as a new dog, but does take him from puppy to adult dog. I don't know. I assume that that's because Santa Paws in Santa Buddies was an adult dog and they needed a way to get him from puppy to dog. <laughs> That did involve the passage of time. Um, Jesus Christ. Can I? Can I? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. There's two minutes left. It's a new voice. It's bizarre. They go to visit the kids. That Just the two adopted kids, not those fucking orphanage kids who don't have a family, losers. Um, 
the two kids are sleeping on the same couch in what's clearly a two bedroom. <laughs> so they top these two a two bedroom above the toy store, and then they make them sleep head to foot, or head yeah head to foot on the same couch with their feet in each other's fucking faces. And then they hear the dog, and they both come out of their bedroom like, "What's going on?" It's like you should have you you adopted two kids. And they're sleeping on a couch in the living room, head to foot, head to foot. To be to be clear, Aaron, that's an enormous uh, that's an enormous improvement over sleeping on a concrete floor. I know, but like you show them, they get a bedroom. Like here's your actual, but here's your home bedroom. You, we've adopted you. Yeah, like we've never is, seen their apartment be... before. It's not like there's rules at the apartment. We never saw their apartment. As far as we know, they lived in a hotel. Now we see their their giant condo apartment, and their two new kids are sleeping on a fucking couch. I what? I, I don't I don't understand it. Other than that, room was easier to shoot in. <laughs> But then the parents are gone. They come like, why not just have them around the couch? Because there's, it's not like they just talk to the kids. The second the window opens, the two parents, the hucklebuckles, come out of that room. <laughs> like it's, it's a, like a, it's just a series of perplexing choices throughout the entire movie up until the very end. It's 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 it's, it's consistently framed with the perspective. Um, what is the easiest way to get to the scene where the dog uh, talks to the babies? It actually seems like, what's the cruelest way that this scene could play out for everyone involved? <laughs> and it, it just feels like it's repeated over and over. And it's just like, it, again, it's, it is unique. It's, it's why we wanted to talk about it. It's why we don't have anything interesting to say besides just like, if you're hearing all this and going, no fucking way. Yes, fucking way. Um... It just is, and that's why, like, watching the second one was so, like, oh, yeah, it's just a dog, and there's just not a movie like this that has so many choices throughout that are seemingly designed by someone who is going through a lot and wants to hurt children in a very subtle way. It is, uh, it is just a lot. It's not breezy. It's not, um, it's not, like, a nice, I think also, like, uh, we've talked about how... Uh, bad horror movies can still be enjoyable on a different tier. Um, I think that, and we also, we talked about how bad comedies don't apply to that necessarily. Like 99 times out of a hundred, like a bad comedy is a bad comedy. Bad musicals or bad singing sequences are never ironically enjoyable unless they're in cats. It's too embarrassing. It's basically cats and that's it. Yeah. Um, and cats, it just brings you to a, a level of surreality that it, it, it ultimately doesn't matter. Well, you spend the whole movie wondering when the movie's going to start. Because <laughs> <laughs> everything's an intro song, and all of a sudden you're like, did that cat die? All right, I guess it's over. Uh, uh, so, I guess we're, we're meeting a new cat, huh? Uh, 50 minutes in, still meeting new cats. Still, are any of these other cats going to come back? <laughs> what other cats you got? Uh, what's um, that guy's magic powers? <laughs> it's like it's like a whole movie that's a table of contents, <laughs> which is essentially what yeah, whatever. Anyways, yeah. Um, so my point is is that like ninety nine out of a hundred times, you know, the, the b- bad comedies, bad musicals are not enjoyable. The thing that keeps this from being rewatchable in like a fun way is that the songs are basically stock music. They're 
they're, they're, they're not, not that many. They they're really not horrific. The they're, they're not like horrifically bad in the sense that you're like the the actors are tone deaf or whatever. It's just one of those things where like no one is exhibiting any particular talent. A, B, the songs are incredibly unhooky. Like none of the songs stick to you at all. The lyrics are you can predict literally every line. You're like, all right, so they need something to rhyme with. Um, they need something to rhyme with bells, and you just keep going and going. Um, and, and, and the uh, essentially, those sequences for me keep k- kill replay value. What doesn't kill replay value for me is like that this movie kicks off <laughs> with genuine trauma. <laughs> And it never stops. It never stops. I think that's why it feels a little more exhausting. Like, The Room has a lot of very funny trauma sequences that don't understand how to be played, right? Like, the I definitely have cancer shit and all the other stuff. And that's like, even Birdemic, there's like seriousness uh, in the movie. And the fact that the seriousness is in the movie in that tone is partly what makes it shocking, but also very funny. And but the room also has the what if we play football in our tuxedos moment and why is this person like doing X on the roof and why does the flower person know their name? And he says, like, there's a lot of just generally perplexing choices that aren't rooted in trauma or offensiveness or something like that. This movie is has a has as many of those moments as the room or anything else that's in that bad movie canon, but it's a hundred percent rooted in trauma or offensiveness, right? Like if it's not, uh, if it's not like dead corpse dogs and horrific abuse and dead other people and, uh, robbery and ripping off children's charities and fucking amnesia and Santa Claus dying and getting hit by cars and all that stuff. The other parts of it that are like, oh my God, are the like uh, Santa Paws harassing a little person. Uh, the black dog as the color of his fur uh, speaking in an offensive Jamaican accent. And like everything is rooted in like uh transgressive uh beliefs or politics or bigotry or trauma and why it's shocking to see that out of a g-rated tenth sequel to airbud it is a little bit exhausting where like i don't think i could just watch it over and over just because it is like yeah, I'm just laughing at the fact this kid keeps saying their parents didn't make it. Like it's it's not fun. It's Look at it's kids singing into a fucking plunger that touched shit moments ago. Great. Yeah, it, it's it's it it, it 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 on paper this sounds fun, but this is kind of us watching this for you. We're we're giving you it, a service. It is fun in just like it is shot. Like it truly is that first time where, and even now, like four years removed or three years removed. It is fun in that, like it is, it is shot. It is positively laugh out loud, shocking at how bad it is at every single possible turn and how it gets worse in, in a package of a G rated kid movies. You know, we talk about that planet of the apes, uh, was the, the the end of the fourth planet of the apes movie where they put a gun in a baby's where they shoot a baby. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 
and and it's like that's a G-rated movie. This is a whole movie, not just G-rated for general audiences, but directly at kids. That's the fucking shooting the monkey baby in Planet of the Apes. <laughs> yeah, I I uh 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 I don't know where to go from there. Uh, no, they hire it's this a, it's hire a, it's a movie uh, that feels like it needs hop, to be hire seen Robert to be Vince to make the next Planet of the Apes movie with uh <laughs> combo um MVP combo MVP and all the uh all the dogs he he uh adopted from kennels and then presumably I don't know drowned in the river when the movie was over. <laughs> Yeah, what if uh, it was Earth the whole time and they can do sick kickflips? What if the, but if, what if the chimp could ride a horse, but the horse could not talk? (laughs) Um, It is a movie, it's on HBO right now, Go Max, whatever you're watching it on. that it feels like it needs to be seen to believe because I feel like even us saying this, we missed a bunch of parts and you're going to go like, there's no way that's what they mean. And I've said that a few times. And that's because as I'm saying this, I had to rewatch and rewind to make sure the first time. And now the second time I've watched it that like, okay, that really is what I think. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's what it is. Like, because it just is full of that. So it's not going to be your favorite bad movie, but what, that you're going to watch over and over as, as much as you would a good movie. But if you do have 10 friends over, which you should not have, but let's say they're part of your bubble already, or you want to do like a Netflix type movie watching Christmas party, everyone over streaming this year. Cause there's a pandemic. Uh, this is one I would recommend putting on because it is great for 10 people unprepared by the content to watch. Cause it truly is shocking. And also, you can talk through the whole thing, and it doesn't it doesn't matter. Yeah. Anytime they're singing, it doesn't fucking really, yeah. Yeah. So as soon as someone starts singing, just ask somebody like how how their week is going. Do an emotional <laughs> check going, in at that point. Whether if you had a four year old orphan, if you would maybe change their clothes at any point, even just even just to keep up appearances. <laughs> <laughs> Mama mia, uh, Mama mia. Uh yeah. Next week. We're ending up with the the biggest, the number one movie of 2000 and thus the most cursed cursed Christmas movie of all from a box office perspective. That is Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Um, And the the Grunch. The Grunch. Um, And because we're not total sadists, we're also going to do the Dr. Seuss adaptation from... Uh, the 60s television one that everyone actually loves as well. Give something. I mean, we've had a cursed... Peter! We said cursed Christmas, but much like... um, One episode in, and I'm ready for something good. It's our third episode. <laughs> um, It's our third episode. Don't worry about it. One recorded yeah. episode in, and I'm ready for something good. Yeah, I mean, we were like, this is going to be a great gift, but we opened it up, and there's a fucking dead dog corpse that some asshole sent us. Who's also dead? It's a Christmas. We'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week.
so much for listening to We Love to Watch. If you made it to the end, hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand. And you want to support the show. Show, we truly absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, we really do appreciate you uh, with kisses and smooches, Peter and Aaron. <laughs> Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>